Good evening, Element City Church. So glad to have you here. If you are a guest with us, I know I met a couple uh, new folks here, so thrilled to have you here. I know it takes courage coming to a new place, and so we're just glad to have you. Glad to have you joining us online. For those of you who are there watching throughout the week, we're waving at you. Uh, so again, if you are new, I want to invite you to download our app. It's free, uh, Elements with an S, Element City Church, in your app store, and it'll download. There's lots of different things on there that you can find, playlists for worship music that you'll hear that we'll sing tonight that you can have access to throughout the week, different things in there. The connection card is a way for us to get connected with you, you with us, and we would love to follow up. We know it takes courage and kind of kind of figuring out the bearings of how do you connect in a place, in a community, is a, an interesting thing. And so what we'd like to do is invite you to fill out that connection card. If you're online, it's in the top left corner of your screen, and we would love for you to fill that out. And then what that'll do is just, you'll get a text a week from us, and that's a way for us to kind of help walk you through how to connect around here, answer questions along the way. You can access that. And if you are new, I want to invite you to our 10-minute party, which happens in that back corner right there. If you're online... I guess at home you can throw yourself a 10-minute party. But if you're here in the room, we got a 10-minute party for you where we've got the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon just for you. So we'd love to invite you to connect. I'd love to meet you back there at the end of tonight. Uh, if you don't want to fill out the connection card, you can actually text uh, the word kind of new or hello to 520-340-6868, and that'll get you the connection card there. Uh, next week, just a couple reminders. Next week is is our tailgate party right after service. We'll kind of have a little bit of a shortened service. We've got a couple food trucks coming. We'll be right out here in the parking lot. We've got a jumping castle for kids and uh, I, I guess adults if it would kick the kids out. But we got a jumping castle for kids and uh, we've got a couple, like I said, a couple food trucks that'll be here. We'll just hang out, we'll put the game on and we'll have a good time. So we're inviting you to be a part of that with us. In two weeks, we've got our fall festival that we're partnering with Emmanuel who is the church that meets here in the morning, so we're tag-teaming, piggybacking with them as we're throwing a party for about five or 600 people. Uh, if you know some families that have kids from 10 to 1 on the 30th, we're having a fall festival here, trunk or treat, free candy, jumping castles, like lots of fun stuff. Uh, so invite folks to that and take advantage of that. If you want to sign up to help, sign-up sheets are in the lobby. We'd love for you to fill out whether you want to be part of the trunk or treat or if you want to man one of the stations or help with teardown afterwards. We love your help and partnership with that. It's a way for us to reach out to our community and to welcome people and introduce ourselves and also invite folks to maybe consider checking us out for Christmas or so. So uh, again, we'd love to, to kind of help you get connected around here. If you are kind of an old hat in the sense you've been around elements, uh, maybe look around for someone that might look new and uh, we'd love to introduce ourselves to that. So thanks for being here tonight. Thanks for tuning in. We, tonight we're praying for Rincon Valley Cow Boy Church. Every week we pray for a church of the week, and I'm telling you, my buddy Joe Grizzle, I went to seminary with, and this guy's a hoot. Uh, he is a lot of fun, and he's doing a church really for cowboys uh, on the south side, and so we're excited for him. I'd like to pray for him. So if you're here in the house, why don't you stand up? Uh, if you're at home, 
stay seated or stand up, either one, and uh, we'll get launched into worship and enjoy our evening together tonight. So let's pray. God, we pray for uh, Rincon Valley Cowboy Church. God, for Joe. What a faithful guy. Just appreciated his insight, his look into life, and I just I pray your blessing over my friend that you would just continue to be at work in their church and reaching the people uh, that it is a niche and reaching people who are con- uh, maybe looking for a community, looking for a, a place of faith that kind of lends itself toward that cowboy allure. And we're just asking that you would bless them, that financially you take care of them, that you give them reach into the lives of people to introduce them to the hope and the help of Jesus. Father, tonight we gather to center our attention around Jesus. And we know he changes lives and he's changed our life. And so as we spend some time in worship, as we look into your word, we're just asking that you would go about having your way and, and sway in our lives and that we would be ministered to and that we would leave here uplifted because of our time with you and our time interacting with one another, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said. We're excited to worship with you all tonight. So let's put our hands together. We're here to sing to the one who made us, to tell him how much we love him. So let's just give him all that we have. Amen. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. For he opened the prison doors and he parted the raging sea. My God, he holds a victory. Shout out your 
Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress, you are my portion, you are my hiding place. Oh, I believe you are the way, the truth.
tells us in Hebrews that you've saved us, you've redeemed us so that we could be part of a royal priesthood. And so all of us here who are in Christ, we're priests and we have a job to do. And the priest's job was to bring the sacrifices before God to help people to enter into God's presence. And we don't need that any longer, God, as priests ourselves. We get to lift the sacrifice of praise, the sacrifice of our hands. That's what the word tells us. And so we have a job to do tonight, Jesus, to praise you, to lift you up so that you would be glorified, that you would be magnified in this place, that all who step in here would know that they're here to meet with you and to know that you're here ready to speak to them. And so as we sing these songs, we don't just sing to worship you. God, we do that. We do that with joy, but we sing to ready our hearts for the work you're already doing so that we can see how you're at work and we can respond to you. And so would you do that work, Holy Spirit, in us to prepare us for what you have for us to hear. And so if you're up for it, just pray for yourself. Ask God uh, to speak to you tonight. Ask God what it is that he wants you to take away from tonight. Pray for Pastor Jack as he comes to speak. Ask God to anoint him. Ask God to speak through him tonight. Yeah, Lord, we love you. We're so glad that we get to gather together like this to lift you up. As we bring you praise, somehow you use this time to refuel us so that when we step out of here, um, man, we know that we're better. We know that we're in a better place because we met with you. It doesn't make sense, God. Why would you bless us in such a way? And yet you do because you love us. And it's because of your love for us that we love you. Be glorified tonight. It's in Jesus' name we all pray. Everyone said, amen. Amen.
We've been in this series um, in Micah 6, 8, really looking at this is the way. This is the kind of the way that we're to live. And, and um, I want us to, I'll do a little bit of a recap for if you're new, you can catch up if you're tuning in, maybe online for the first time. Uh, thanks for checking it out and investing your time. I did a little bit of research this week. Maybe you have heard of the internet it has lots of answers. It has lots of wrong things too. So I, I don't. I think these are right. Uh, but in researching, uh, did some internet research on what what are some universal things that all people love, that all people, no matter where you are, love. The number one thing that came up was puppies. Every, anyone here not love puppies? Like, how many of you love puppies? Okay, maybe especially if they're not your puppy, like, you don't have to take care of it, but, like, you get to play with it. Like, if you go to the puppy place in the mall, and I know that's controversial, too, but anyway, you, you go there and you just enjoy puppies. What I didn't find is any cats that didn't come up on my search. I, I don't know. Maybe you're a cat person, and, and uh, I wish you well. Um, but uh, maybe another thing universal, uh, warm towels straight out of the dryer on a cool day. That's pretty sweet, uh, okay. Uh, free food, anyone like free food? Everybody loves free food. Uh, how about when you drop your phone and it doesn't crack? Isn't that awesome? Like you drop your phone, you pick it up, and it's always that weird turn, you're like, is it gonna be $600 bad? No, yes, right? Uh, everybody loves that, it's universal. Maybe the end of the work week, and you, it's your weekend, whenever that weekend may fall for a lot of you, maybe you come to church on Sunday night because you work on the weekend, and you, maybe this is starting your weekend into Monday or Tuesday. Uh, getting free guac at Chipotle, come on. That is good stuff right there. When they're like, eh, it's just free today. Well, what? Okay. Um, how about when babies do funny, tiny human things? That's pretty sweet when you see that. Have you seen the one uh, where it's the little kid, she has like a ponytail on the top of her head, and they're doing the bottle flip challenge, and she does it, she's like one and a half, and then she has like, oh, you know, this surprise looking at parents, you're like, how do little people do that? I can't even do that. Uh, maybe the beach at sunset. Because everybody loves the beach at sunset. Hugs. Maybe you love hugs. Maybe you're an extreme introvert and hugs like, nee, no, no, I don't like hugs. Uh, but like for 90% of you, you like hugs in that. And it's a beautiful thing. How many of you like free t-shirts? <laughs> free t-shirts for anyone that knows Micah 6 Eight. I know uh, we are totally trying to bribe you to memorize a Bible verse. I get that. We are not, a, you know, below that. And so that is what we're doing this weekend. Anyone know? In fact, here's the challenge tonight. If one person in here knows Micah 6, 8, not only do you get a shirt, but a couple other people get a shirt, they don't even have to do it. So anyone willing to take a chance? Micah 6, 8. Okay, go for it. You got it. You got it. All right. What size? Huh? Small. Uh, I got a medium. Okay. We'll try that. Okay. Uh, let's see. So I got an extra large. Uh, Jake, you're new. There you go. You probably don't, you may not even fit you, but uh, anyone over here want a size, let's see, large? I got a large. Okay. Right back there. Ugh. Maybe. 
Oh, he snagged it. Okay, you got it. There you go. All right, so free shirts. Again, we got two more weeks of this. We are totally trying to bribe you to memorize a Bible verse. In fact, I'm going to put the verse up on the screen right now just so you all can see it. And now, uh, let's see, go ahead and go to that verse. Nope, the next one actually has the verse. It's in like the second slide of the... We got it. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To love mercy. We looked at last week this idea of act justly. And what does that begin to look like? And in this verse, just again, a recap. Remember Micah, the, the prophet Micah is the, toward the tail end of the Old Testament book. And, and it's kind of this idea of, of saying, hey, 700 years before Jesus shows up on the scene, uh, the people of God, the Israel, had, had kind of gotten to a place where they were kind of going through the motions religiously. It was kind of this ritualistic approach to God. And the truth is, you know, we haven't developed all that much as humanity, and that there's a way for us sometimes to slip into just kind of going through the motions. And what Micah shows up in that moment is to say, listen, kind of wake up. Um, don't just go through the motions with God. But actually, this is meant to be a relational exchange. And if you want to know how to get God's attention, like, don't get stuck in the fine print. Uh, you can get lost there. In fact, most people even make up what the fine print actually is. So don't, don't get stuck in that. Uh, don't get stuck trying to capture God's attention, what will get his attention, what will keep his attention. You want to know what God's really looking for? He has shown you, O mortal. And I just love the word, O mortal. It's in the NIV, there's other translations, but it's a reminder again of our humanity and our limits and the boundaries that you have and that I have, that we are not God. He is we ain't. And so it kind of puts us in that place again of remembering, okay, oh yeah, God's big, I'm little, and he's shown me, what is he looking for? Well, he wants us to be in relationship. He's shown you. He wants you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly through life with him, to act justly, to stand up for people that need someone to stand up for them, to awaken, that to do justly is to act with equity and fairness to those who are maybe in a weaker social position. It's the opposite of violence or oppression or fraud or lying or injustice. We're to act justly in all of our interactions. Justice is doing the right thing at the right time. That's kind of what we looked at last week. And we can be stewards in our cultural context. It really comes down to kind of a weighing thing. It could be, we could be stewards of just us and it's all about me, and it's not about other people, and it's just us. Or I can be a steward with God in justice for people. And I can do my best in the interactions I have to speak up for those. Maybe that's why Jesus gave us what's called the golden rule in Luke chapter 6, verse 31. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. And maybe that is really getting at this concept, this idea, this notion of justice. Just do the right thing in the right time. Do to others as you would want them to do to you. And if, if more people did that, then justice begins to work out. And then we goes into, I want you to love mercy. We can love a lot of things. And it's kind of weird because in our culture, in our English language, we only have one word for love. And so I can love everything from a Sonoran hot dog to my wife 
and there should be a difference, right? Like, they shouldn't be on the same level playing field. And yet, in our English language, we only have one word. In, in Greek, there's several different words. In other languages, there's several words. And, and this words are important. And, and so to love mercy, what is Micah getting at as he's writing this to the people of God way back then and actually recorded this, and it's held in the Bible for you and I to interact with even now? The, the word there is a Hebrew word called hesed. Hesed is best summed up as maybe loving kindness of God. It's the loving kindness of God, this covenantal kind of love that God has for his people. That he, this like overcommitted kind of love that sticks through everything that, that transpires, the good and the bad. It's this loving kindness, compassion extended for his people, and thus the kind of kindness that is to extend through his people to the people that they interact with. Most translations refer to hesed as kind of the steadfast love of God. It's often aligned in Greek, so the Hebrew is the Old Testament. In Greek, we, have the, we find the word uh, agape. It's this unconditional kind of love. Really, hesed and agape, you, you can almost make those be synonymous with one another. That's what the prophet Micah is getting at. You're to love mercy like this. It's this faithful, committed, kind of loving kindness that God has. God deals with his children, the Israelites, in all the ups and downs of their life. How many of you are parents? If you're a parent, uh, do you think your kids have some ups and downs? Right? Yeah, they do. If you're an uncle or uh, an aunt, like you've seen some of your nieces and nephews and you're like at a party and like it's really up and then like a minute later they're like really down and you're like, whoa, that's, yeah, humanity, right? And, and so there's some ups and downs and God kind of walks with his people through some ups and downs. You think back to uh, the Israelites, right? Remember you're trapped in Egypt, 400 years of slavery. God sends Moses, he's gonna lead them out and, and this progression of what begins to happen over several years it's just you see the ups and downs of the people of God. They cry out because they're enslaved. God delivers them. Mercy. He, he does something for them. They complain about being brought to the Red Sea. And now they're going to be captured and, and brought back and probably brought to death. And he provides a way through the Red Sea. Mercy. They complain about not having anything to eat. And so he provides manna every single day for them. For probably a million people on the move. Think about the logistics of that. And God provides that. Here's mercy. They complain about that. And so he sends quail. Mercy. They complain about that. They get bored with that. And the children of Israel kind of led in this cycle, much like we see in our own humanity, the ups and downs of our own life. And so begins, after they finally get to the promised land, uh, what begins to, to transpire is just more ups and downs of the people of God in progression. The, the children of God led by Moses and then Joshua, and then suddenly there's judges that are appointed by God. And it kind of begins this 300-plus year pattern of God's people disobeying, rebelling, facing consequences, and then God's mercy coming in and ministering to them. 
Uh, this is what uh, Joshua, or this is what Judges chapter 2 says. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, the people of God, he was the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as he was the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of the groaning under the oppression and affliction that they were suffering. But when the judge died, the people returned to their ways even more corrupt than their ancestors. Following after other gods, serving and worshiping them, they refused to give up their evil practices and their stubborn ways. Anyone relate? with stubbornness. Yeah, I think we all do. These people had a drift toward rebellion, and much like the human race, and even in our day, and listen, even in my own life, there's these moments where we just kind of drift in the ups and downs, and we're easily distracted away from devotion with God, and so God allows them to suffer a little bit. That's the justice that's coming and they have to deal with the consequences, but then they would cry out uncle and ask for God to intervene and God would step in with his mercy. His kindness, his faithfulness, his compassion would always be stirred up. He would rescue them. He would appoint a new judge to lead them. And then when that judge died, they kind of drifted back the other way. And this is over hundreds of years. So listen, this is life, isn't it? It's my life. It's probably your life too. And so it is this interaction. What does God do? He always shows up with his mercy. We see this on display. We see this so very evident in the life of Jesus. Maybe one example, personal example, you look at the disciple of Peter, right? Peter the disciple, and you just kind of look at his life and you begin to see some different things that begin to transpire. This idea of mercy, what Micah is getting at is, it's almost like God saying, I want mercy for you. I celebrate when I get to bring mercy to you. I love to give mercy to you and to others. And we see this lived out in the life of Jesus. When Jesus calls Peter the first time, he's kind of this rough mouth, the hard living fisherman uh, who's kind of given up on religion, gone back to his father's trade. That's what you did. And Jesus shows up and says, follow me. And he, remember, he catches the biggest catch of fish ever in his entire life. And he's overwhelmed and undone before Jesus. Like, who are you that this would, tra- like, I've been doing this for a living and this has never happened. And, and you tell me to push out in the middle of the day. We fished all night. That's when you actually fish is at night. And you tell me to push out in the middle of the day. We catch stuff that the boat is sinking. Like, who are you? And so he gives up everything and begins to follow after Jesus. One day Jesus is with his disciples and he says, look, who do people say I am? And they're kind of hemming and hawing about, well, some people say, you know, like the reincarnation of Elijah, he's come back or whatever that may be. And, and Peter steps forward in that moment and says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. And he says, yes, Peter. My father's shown you this, and on this rock, his name, Peter, rock, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And then it's only a few days later where Jesus begins to talk about how he's got to go to Jerusalem, and then he's actually going to give up his life, and that his life is going to be taken from him. And Peter, probably thinking he's brave and bold, I got the last one right, I'll step into this moment too. Jesus, that's not going to happen. And Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. Like justice, like, whoa, 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 I'm going to put you in check because this is the mission of why I've come. And you're not reading things correctly. 
And then you follow this out even a little bit more in Peter. It's the night of Jesus' arrest, right? Peter's following close by, and then this little girl says to him, aren't you one of his followers? Oh, no, 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 I don't even know that guy. And he denies him three times, just like Jesus said he would. And the rooster crows, and all of a sudden it clicks, and he realizes what he's done, and he runs out in the night just broken that he denied his Savior. And then Jesus finds him after the resurrection, and he has that interchange with him. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Why did Jesus ask him that three times? I think it's because he denied him three times. Peter, you blew it. I'm not going to hide that. But I'm here to give you mercy. I need you to lead now. Isn't it amazing that God doesn't give up on you? Isn't it amazing that God doesn't give up on me? Like, if people knew the real you, for some of you, you've given up on you because you know the real you. Uh, for others, you know people in your family and you're like, man, that's enough. I'm done. I can't handle it anymore. You know people at work. You know people that are friends, extended family. That you're, It's like they just tick off enough things. Aren't you glad God doesn't do that for you? Because that's the question people have when it comes to religion is how many times, God, like, what's the last time? That's Peter's question to Jesus. How many times do I need to forgive? Seven times? Like, that's the perfect number. Like, at least it's got to be that. And Jesus is saying, no, try 70 times seven. Like, the number's not even equatable to what you can get your mind around, Peter. It's God has justice, and he challenges us. But at the same time, God's a God of mercy, and we would think that those are polar opposites, and that you can't have both. And yet, Jesus does. And I think that's the reality of what he's calling his people today, you, me, is to be people who act justly, but at the same time are able to love mercy. Because people need mercy. Do you know how people change? Justice can change some people in some ways. But you know what really changes behavior? Mercy. Justice can do some things, and it can challenge and it can push, but the reality, the real deep life change doesn't happen through just justice. It happens through mercy. And that they can coexist is a pretty crazy thing. God is fully just. That's why we need Jesus, because there isn't any amount of things that you could do to get in a right standing with God. 
He's too just. You're too broken. So am I. That's why we need mercy to give us what we could never get on our own. And that's the, the beauty when you look through the scriptures is this call that Jesus is modeling how mercy puts a nuance on justice. We can act justly and we can show mercy. See, mercy is not commending. At no point with Peter did Jesus say, you know what you did, Peter, it, it, was, it was okay. I mean, I get it, we all make mistakes. He never said that. He acknowledges what was wrong, he calls it out, and then he offers mercy. Mercy is not forgetting. Jesus had not forgotten what Peter had done. He addressed it. And then he moved on. Granting mercy to someone in your life allows the relationship to continue. But it may take time for you to forget that it happened if you ever do. Because sometimes you maybe have been wrong to the point that it's pretty hard to ever actually totally forget that. But mercy begins to call us forward and continue to pursue us. Jesus models something here. Mercy is not just for our sake, where we give mercy and grant it to someone else. Mercy actually may be a gift to you, the giver of mercy as well. Sometimes the recipient is you. And even though you haven't, you've let maybe people off the hook, so to speak, by giving mercy, you feel a weight lifted because you're no longer trying to walk around going, who am I mad at? Who am I keeping score on? It's so easy for us to do that. Why? Because we want justice. And when we've been wronged, man, we keep score, don't we? I know I do. And I'm the one who ends up carrying the weight of that. There's no freedom in that. The freedom comes when I'm able to act justly and love mercy. And I can begin to extend it in a way that may be really challenging. But it's actually the way to freedom. See, forgiveness is kind of that legal term that says, look, you don't owe me anything anymore. It's paid in full. But mercy is kind of like a medical term. It's kind of like this salve that just brings healing to a wound. And we all need both. In a sentence, to love mercy is to extend kindness and compassion whether someone deserves it or not. Sometimes we could do that for the people that are close to us, the people that we have a lot invested in, and we go, okay, we can love mercy, and I can work to, to extend that to them. But to people I don't know, like that seems like a whole nother level to give mercy to people I don't have a relationship with, I'm not connected to. But hesed is the word that really kind of gets at that, that it's both and. That it's hesed love, this loving kindness and compassion and steadfast commitment to people you know and people you don't know yet. And the people that you're connected to and people that maybe you're not. The Gospel of John tells us about some of the trips that the disciples took. One, uh, Jesus said, hey, we have to go through Samaria. Uh, no Jew had to go through Samaria. In fact, Jews would avoid walking through Samaria at all cost. But into this particular situation, John chapter 4, Jesus says, no, we got to go through Samaria. Nobody would take that road. But Jesus does it for a reason. 
The Jews and Samaritans were religious and, and kind of ethnic hybrids uh, that had resulted from lots of different things, and you could read about it, but there was a, a disdain and a hatred, a true hatred for them. The people who were not pure Jews viewed the Samaritans as impure, and, and they were not comfortable with them. And Jesus reminds us that showing mercy is not just for those who are in our circle but for those who we would never assume would be included in the circle. Jesus widens the circle. All throughout the gospel accounts, the circle, the table of Jesus just gets bigger and bigger. And that's challenging for people who want justice. And Jesus is saying, no, see, it is justice. And it's also mercy. It's both and. For most of us, the Samaritan is simply someone who maybe is someone that we would identify that says that person makes me feel uncomfortable. Anyone who pushes us out of our comfort zone, anyone who challenges our thinking or pushes our buttons, anyone who we would see that's a waste of my time, all the people that we are not welcoming to our table. And what Jesus does, he says, no, I'm gonna pull up a chair and the table just got bigger, have a seat. Mercy makes that happen. And the interaction between Jesus and this Samaritan woman begins to transpire. John chapter four, you can read. She's there at noon to fill her water jug. And the reason you go at noon is because that's the hottest part of the day because everyone already did it in the morning. And if you're the scandal, then you don't go when everyone else is there because you don't want to be the talk of the town because you already are the talk of the town. And so you're avoiding the people who have, who have pushed you to the edge. And so you go when no one else will be there. And all of a sudden, this Jewish rabbi is there, and he asks you for a drink. Like, we don't even talk. Why are you asking me for anything? Like, I know who you are, and you know who I am. Why would you ask me for a drink? And they get into this conversation that begins to transpire, and suddenly, she becomes aware that he's really more than just a Jewish guy. He's a prophet of some kind. He, there's something about him, like he knows things about me that I have never told anyone. And then she kind of changes the subject. Jesus redefines her definition of worship. She says, well, a time is coming where you Jews say we're supposed to worship over here, we say we're supposed to worship over here, and here's Jesus' response, a time is coming. And now come where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for that's the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. See, it's not about a place, Jesus is saying. It's about a person. And the one who is speaking to you is him. It's about me. I'm the one you're waiting for. Pull up a chair. You're welcome at my table. Mercy makes the room for you to be in the circle. Wait, wait, wait. Justice says here defines who's at the table. Yeah, but mercy makes the table bigger. And it pulls up more chairs. And all of a sudden, her life begins to change. So much so that she leaves this conversation with someone that she was anti-against and who she thought was anti-against her to the place where she realizes you really are the one we've been waiting for. You change everything. And suddenly the woman who was avoiding everybody goes and tells everybody about the somebody 
who changed everything for her. The one who received mercy goes to find others and begins to give mercy even to the people that she was anti-against. Why? Because it's realizing in that moment everybody needs it. And no one is beyond the reach of it. All those who she had excluded and judged her, whispered about her, they still needed mercy just as much as she did. And so she tells him about Jesus. It changes that town. All because of one conversation, interaction. Mercy has a way of expanding the table. We're to love mercy. Now listen, it may be that it's easy for you to extend mercy to people you know, and it may even be easy for you to begin to extend mercy to the people that you don't know. And maybe that just becomes easier and you can begin to get your mind around this, okay, be a person of justice, be a person who gives mercy, I think I could do that. But for some of you sitting here, the one that you are the least merciful to is yourself. And so this idea of extending mercy even to yourself is like, no, no, no. No, I gotta earn this. I gotta, I gotta keep this. I gotta work on this. And listen, God calls for obedience. God calls for us to walk in that. But friend, maybe mercy Sometimes I think it's easy for us. Mercy is a, a dish that's easy to serve to others and not give and feast on ourselves. And the truth is, it's been given to you. Maybe the biggest struggle you have, you have is letting yourself off the hook. To remind yourself, maybe like Peter in his situation, man, I blew it. But Jesus still seeks me. And he still comes for me. Like mercy is actually for me too. I, I need it just as much as I want to be a person that extends that to others around us. Much like justice, mercy can be easier to extend than to receive sometimes. So how can you live in mercy and let mercy begin to lead more and more in your life? Well, it takes faith. It takes faith that God truly is who he says he is and that he is true to his word of what he says he's about. You begin to read in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, kind of the, kind of the, the hall of faith chapter, so to speak, of all these famous people who were followers of God who, listen, every single one of them has mistakes in life, but they begin to live in a way. It's kind of this hall of faith. You can read in chapter 11, it says like through faith is what God is looking for. Meaning I'm trusting that God is who he says he is and that he, he actually holds to his promises. And his promise is that mercy is for you as well. I love this. The Hebrew writer writes in chapter four, verse 16, this, let us approach the, uh, God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive what? that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When you approach God, the one who knows everything about you, everything about everything you've ever done or thought or thought about doing, you can approach him with confidence. Confidence in what? His judgment? His anger? His disappointment? Nope. His mercy. Confidence in his mercy and grace, these are the two things that we can absolutely count on from God. 
The biblical idea of mercy runs deep into the well of God's character, who he is at his core. Mercy. Justice and mercy. It's both. The very nature of Hesed is what drove Jesus to the cross. Any way you try to describe God's mercy, it almost always has got to point you back to the cross. This is where justice and mercy meet. That your Savior took on your stuff, your brokenness, your rebellion, mine too, because it had to be dealt with. God had to act justly. But at the same time, he did so through an act of mercy. To say, listen, I'll take the punishment. I'll absorb what you deserve in your place so that you can experience my mercy. That's the gospel. We all deserve the cross, but in God's mercy, Romans 5, 8, he proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's mercy is deep and rich. It magnifies the faithful love of God. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love. And Hesed, again, in truth, Exodus 34, 6. This kind of love gives us a great hope and comfort that our great God will never forsake his children because of his mercy is a fundamental part of his very nature. God's mercy magnifies his never-ending, abounding, faithful love to his people by faith. God's mercy never runs out. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, says, because of the Lord's faithful love, his hesed love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Not yours, not mine, his. They are delivered. Really, in Hebrew, it's this language like, God's mercy is better than Amazon. Like, it's delivered right to your front porch every single morning, fresh and new. That's what that verse is saying. 365, seven days a week. Every single day, his mercy meets you. That's the hope. A new supply of God's mercy is served up and arrives each and every morning. That's why we can have hope. God's mercy is the epitome of the gospel. God's mercy perfectly represents the atoning sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. But God, who is rich in mercy, not broke, rich, like filthy, stinking, rich in mercy. That's what you got to think. His mercy isn't like hindered. It isn't going to run out. It's not like he only has a little bit. He's trying to siphon it off. I don't know. You're asking for, I don't know if I could give it. No, no. Like, it is who he is. And it's abundant. And it's a full supply. God, through his mercy, sent Jesus to die on the cross to absorb his wrath. That the whole world, anyone and everyone, could come to a place where they can find that mercy and receive that mercy. So the question is, have you experienced the mercy of Jesus? He is just, and he will act justly, but he loves mercy. 
And so the question tonight, whether you're online or here, is have you ever said yes to him in that? To say, listen, I'm not trying to be about a religion or or, or rituals or try to get in good favor with God. Listen, you can't do enough. So stop trying. The mercy of God is here. It's Jesus himself, his life, his death, his resurrection in your place to say the brokenness of your life doesn't have to define you. Mercy is available to you. And it's saying yes to him. I need your mercy. And if you've never done that, it's as simple as saying, Jesus, I need you. There isn't a fancy prayer in the Bible that you gotta pray. It is simply saying, I need Jesus, period. We'll figure out everything else. But it starts there. Receive his mercy. See, we can love mercy because it's what God gives us. And we can love mercy because it is what truly changes people. And we are to love and to learn to pass on what we have been giving an unending supply of, mercy. So here's my prayer for you, that you would act justly in your interactions, but you would also be a person like God who would act justly and love mercy. To be a person that receives his mercy, I'm not trying to earn it, I'm just going to receive it. And I want to be a conduit of that mercy to the people around me. And so, Father, that's what we pray. As we go into this last worship song, there's a lot to wrestle with here. We live in a culture that wants to push justice, and, and you call us to act justly. To not make it just about just us, but to to deliver justice to the people, to stand up for people, to to be a voice for the voiceless. And we can push justice, and it's an okay thing, but at the same time, we've got to be people who love mercy, and that we can extend that mercy to the people who are closest to us, to the people that we bump into, you steer across our path, and even to ourselves. And God, I pray for any here who are struggling to give mercy to themselves. I pray that you would allow your spirit to just kind of touch them on the shoulder and to say, my mercy is good enough and sufficient enough for even you. And God, for any who might be here who are searching out a faith and a walk with you, it starts with saying, I need Jesus. Pray that each would come to that place of saying, Jesus, I need you. I submit my life to you. Would you come in, forgive me of my own sin, and lead me forward in the best possible way to live? So would you help us as a church to be people who act justly and people who love mercy, who receive it and are a conduit for it, to the world around us, we pray.
been broken within the moment I've been faithful and I've been reckless in every bend I've held everything together and watched it shatter I've stood tall and I have crumbled in the same breath I have wrestled and I have trembled towards surrender Chased my heart adrift and drifted home again Plundered blessings till I've been desperate to find redemption Every time I turn around, Lord, you're still there. I was found before I was lost. I was yours before I was not. This grace you spare.
you help us to believe that's true? This is Jack shared tonight. Gosh, sometimes it's just so hard to give mercy to ourselves, to give the grace that you've given to us, to live in that grace and to believe that it's true, to believe that that's positionally where we are in our relationship with you. But would you help us just to learn uh, how to see the way, to see ourselves the way that you see us? when you look at us when we're in Christ you see your son Jesus and you see what he did for us you don't see all the shame all the guilt all the things that we carry into that you freed us from that and you want us to live a life free from that as well and so I love that song God I love that thought that you love us as you find us right where we're at and yet your love is too good to leave us there God you change us through your grace through your mercy to become conformed into the image of your son, Jesus, to be more and more like him, to be loving, to be merciful, to be graceful. We wanna be like that, God. We wanna be people like that. So would you empower us just through the power of your spirit, just to help us uh, to take just another step in that direction of figuring out what that life looks like this week. As we reflect on this message and go back to it, God, uh, teach us one thing from this week that we can carry with us. Pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just a few things before you uh, head out. We just want to thank you. If you partner with us uh, by giving, you can give your tithes and offerings in the metal boxes at the back if you've got something. Uh, most people give online through the church app. Uh, and so for those of you who do uh, partner with us in that way, we just want to thank you and just tell you what a blessing it is that uh, you trust us with your finances to, to invest those into this city, into this church so that we can do ministry. And so we can tell people about this love of Christ. So uh, if you're new, don't feel like you have to give. That's not an obligation. God loves a cheerful giver. And so we, it, for those of you who've been coming, uh, thank you. For those of you who are new, don't worry about that side of things. But next week, uh, we've got the tailgate party that's going on after church. So feel free to show up in your jersey and your kit and your whatever it is that you have. Uh, we're going to hang out after the service. Uh, we've got some food trucks coming. We're just going to have a good time for an hour or so as well. Uh, and then the week after that is going to be the fall festival that Jack's talked about. So if you've got candy that you want to donate, there's boxes in the back. Feel free to load that box next week with candy. Let's just bring a bunch because there are, gosh, thousands of kids. Like in the last couple of years, maybe 500 to 1,000 kids just went through this parking lot. And they need a lot of sugar, folks. They need a lot of sugar. Let's give them the sugar that they desire. Amen. Amen. 
and amen. So uh, tonight we like to get dinner afterwards. So if you're interested in hanging out with us we're, afterwards, we're going to go to Sauce and Payway. That's up on uh, on Broadway, kind of between Swan and Craycroft in that area. So uh, you can connect with Mark or Margo or anybody if you need directions uh, or help with that. But thanks for coming tonight. We love you. Whether you're here in the room, whether you're at, on online at home, we're just grateful that we get to do church together. This is a blessing. It really is. So go forth. Be blessed. Have a great week. We look forward to seeing you next week.